Hey guys, happy Halloween and welcome to the fourth annual Scary Stories episode for True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So before we begin, we want to thank everyone for their submissions. They were amazing and we did get so many of them. So we're going to be saving some for next year. So please don't be disappointed if you don't hear your story. So today is the day when the veil has been lifted. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Uh, We've also chosen not to include any ads in this episode. So we don't ruin the scary vibe. That's a good call. Yes. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. So our first story is from the amazing Sarah O. Thank you so much for your submission. And we look forward to hearing future stories because she said she has more. So she said, just wanted to tell you some scary stories for your upcoming episode. They haven't happened to me. However, they have happened to my dad. So they're all pretty short. So here's a few of them. Basically, the supernatural seems to be drawn to my father and he's had more encounters than anyone I know. However, he remains to be the most skeptical person I've ever met. That sounds like a typical dad. Sounds like my dad. Yes. (laughs) So she said, my dad is Irish. So the first story is from when he was younger and still living in Ireland. He lives in London, England now. He was standing on the street and talking to one of his friends late one night after they had been to the pub when he noticed a young boy and girl standing on the other side of the road. They were holding hands and just standing on the pavement opposite from them. He said to his friend, it's a bit late for those kids to be out, isn't it? Guys, I wish I could do an Irish accent, but I'm the worst at accents ever. Please don't try. No, we would lose all of our listeners. His friend turned and saw the children and agreed that it was quite late for them to be out alone. They thought nothing more of it and turned back to each other to continue their conversation. A few moments later, my dad's friend said, where did those kids go? And my dad looked across the road and they had gone, seemingly vanished into thin air. They said a hurried goodbye and ran to their houses. It's something that spooked them so much that years later, when we visited Ireland, my dad's friend brought it up to him again. It is crazy that they both saw the children and then they vanished. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those it's one of those things where if you yourself is looking at this and seeing it happen but then nobody else is, it's kind of, you know, it makes the story I guess less credible, but in this case, you have two people seeing the same yes. thing. It's a little odd. That's what I call corroborating evidence. That is corroborating in my evidence 100%. <laughs> the other story I thought I would share is from a few years ago when my dad was working as a technician for a brewery company. So part of his job was to go to pubs or places with bars to do any repairs or installations. He was in one such place. I believe it was a hotel or something, somewhere with a security office, so definitely not a pub. He had finished the job and was walking back to the security office to be let out. When he got to the office, the security guard jumped up from his seat and said, Where is that man that was walking behind you? And my dad said there wasn't anyone walking behind him. The security guard poked his head out of the office to make sure there was no one else there, which there wasn't. 
The guard then rewound the security tape and showed my dad the footage of him walking down the corridor minutes earlier with what looked like a man following closely behind him, close enough that anyone would have been able to sense them. You can see the figure going through the door close to the security office. The guard and my dad went out to the door, which was locked and alarmed. So if anyone had gone through it, they would have known about it. That is insane. That is so scary. That's weird because imagine, imagine you have no idea this is happening, right? But then a security guy goes, hey, man, you know, <laughs> where's that yeah. guy that was behind you? And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? And then have evidence to actually back up what you're claiming, right? Yeah, there's actual footage of it happening. And then again, somebody else was there for it. So that's like pretty terrifying. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it makes it even more legit, right? I mean, when, like I said before, you have other people that are viewing it, you know, viewing this and seeing this. So, oh, must, yeah. Must be something to it. That is super scary. And it's so funny because things like that always seem to happen to skeptics. And then, you know, they still remain skeptics. Isn't it's that true. pretty crazy. Yeah. And this was a side note from Sarah that her dad also lived on the same road as Dennis Nilsson, which was Melrose Avenue, the same time he was committing the murders. So if you don't know, Dennis Nilsson is a Scottish-born serial killer who was responsible for 12 murders between, I think it was 78 to 83. Really? My serial killer encyclopedia. Um, that's actually pretty crazy that you know that, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know whether or not to I be try. Like, I try to really hide it, but what, what is going it comes on? out. <laughs> um, maybe we should cover that, actually. Seems like a cool case. Um, it's really disgusting because he was a necrophiliac. Oh. So, yeah. It's, it's going to be... It would be a heavy hitter, and a lot of other podcasts have covered it. So, I'm always a little apprehensive when a lot of people have covered something because I know our listeners do love when we kind of bring to light new cases, but every once in a while, I love pulling out the... Um, the known cases. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're still fascinating. That's the reason why they're fascinating. Yeah. No, it's true. And Nilsson is a little bit lesser known here in the United States. I think he's more known across the pond. Okay, so our second story comes from Elise in Southeast Ohio. Elise has been listening since 2017. So thank you, Elise. We're so glad we have not scared you away by now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> her story happened to her when she was babysitting in high school. So here is her story. Back in 2003, when I was 16 years old, my parents let me get a cell phone. One of those big bulky ones. I had paid for it and the plan that I had by babysitting. This was something I did all the time. My mom had me babysitting for all the families that we went to church with, and I made a lot of money doing it. I had one family that I never really liked babysitting for. The kids were always crazy and the parents always came home really late and the house was kind of isolated but I just got my phone and I needed the money so I was not in the position to say no to anyone and my mom really didn't let me say no anyway because it was the summer and we were off so the night this happened was August 9th a Saturday I knew I was in for a long night because it was a Saturday and the parents were celebrating their wedding anniversary Please don't get me wrong, the parents were really nice, but anyone who's ever babysat knows how long it can feel waiting up for parents of a child or children to get home. So there were two children, a boy who was eight and a girl who was four. 
The boy would talk back to me all the time, and he didn't like that I made him follow the rules that his parents left for me. And when he would pull an attitude, so would his little sister. But I know this is typical of kids, so I didn't take it personally. Well, this time I was in luck because the boy had gotten a new video game and he was playing it in his room. His parents told me it was okay if he did because he was obsessed. I was relieved because it meant that it was going to be an easy night for me. I would actually just have to watch Disney videos with a little girl, which I actually enjoyed. So I made them dinner and of course the boy ran into his room. The little girl and I settled down on the couch to start watching movies. Now, if you were sitting on the couch, the front door was on the right of you, and then to the left was a dining room and then an oversized sliding glass door. Behind the couch were stairs leading up to the second floor. The house was beautiful. The family had just redone the whole first floor, and I had made popcorn for us. So I went into the boy's room to offer him some popcorn, and he said he didn't want any. When I was walking back to go into the living room, I got startled because the girl was waiting on the stairs. I asked her what she was doing there, and she told me she didn't like the man looking at her. What are you talking about? I asked her. Who's looking at you? And she said there was a man looking at her while she was on the couch. I told her there was no one in the living room, and she peeked around the banister and seemed to be satisfied with my answer because she came down the stairs. I was a little put off by this, but I figured it was just her imagination, or at least I hoped it was. (laughs) When you're babysitting and kids say something creepy to you, it is the scariest thing of all time. You know, I have to say I only babysitted one time. I did it once. Babysat. Babysat. Did I? What did I just say? Babysitted. Oh my god! Did I really just say that? Anyway. Anyway, bottom line is, I did it one time, and I I never want to correct you because I'm the worst. Who did you babysit for? Um, the neighbors up the street. Oh, okay. I don't want to say their names, but I can't. I can't imagine you babysitting. <laughs> you know what? I neither do I. But I have to tell you, it went smooth. So okay, good. And it was only one time. It was kind of like an emergency thing. They and they were like, "John, okay. can you do this?" Like, I see. Are you busy? Or can you do? That? And I was you just were like, probably yeah. so nervous. I was like, "Wait, I got to babysit kids. <laughs> I have to watch these children." John like, gets oh. so nervous around babies. It's like he doesn't. It's like he holds them out away from him, shaking, like making sure he doesn't break them. <laughs> I always tell everybody if when we have children, uh huh, I if they could just come out at like three years old, that'd be cool. Well, that would hurt me. Well, I I I'm aware, <laughs> but I'm just saying like you know three years old, that's kind of like the perfect age for me to like start like. I'll introduce you to our children at three. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we began watching the movie, and the little girl was totally not herself. She was cuddling up really close to me, which was adorable, but it was just not her. It wasn't in her personality to do that. She never had before. So I kept asking her what was wrong. She said she didn't like the man looking in her house. And I asked her what she was talking about and that there was no man in the room with us. And I was starting to get a little annoyed. And then she said there was and she pointed into the dining room. And I realized that she meant there was someone looking in at us from the sliding glass doors. But when I looked at them... All I could see was the reflection of the dining room and far off us sitting on the couch. I told her to wait right there. I walked into the dining room and turned off the lights. My heart was pounding and I had my phone in my hand ready to dial 911. Then I reached the door and flipped the switch to turn on the lights in the backyard 
the family had like floodlights in the backyard. And then I took a long, deep breath. There was no one there. I called out to the girl to tell her that there was no one outside. She insisted there was, but I told her there was not and that she was safe in her house. We started watching the movie again. About 20 minutes in, the girl let out a scream. She said the man was out there again, and I looked to the window and couldn't see anything again. I ran to the glass doors and turned on the light as quickly as I possibly could. I wanted to catch whoever this was, if they were even there. But by the time that I got to the light switch, they were gone. Now I was nervous. I wasn't sure if she was telling the truth or she was just confused. Then I thought about her brother. He was always joking around and trying to scare his sister. So I went into his room to check on him. But he was in the same position he was in when I had offered him popcorn. He was still playing his video game on his beanbag chair. I had asked him if he was the one who was messing around with his sister and standing outside. He told me that he wasn't doing anything like that. He hadn't even gotten up to go to the bathroom. Something that I made him do after he told me that. (laughs) That's actually really funny. That is funny. So I went back to the living room with the little girl and we sat back on the couch to finish the movie. She was still huddled close to me and I could tell she was getting tired. While we finished the movie, she fell asleep on my lap. And that's when I saw something out of the corner of my eye in the dining room. I froze. It felt like there was instantly ice in the pit of my stomach. I turned to look quickly at the glass doors to the left of me, and I finally saw him too. A man had his hands cupped up to the window, and he was looking inside. I screamed. I couldn't help it. I fumbled for my cell phone that had been on the arm of the couch, and I called 911. My screams had woken up the little girl, and I told her to go into her brother's room. We ran inside, and I locked the door. I was talking on the phone with the 911 operator and told them both to please be quiet and go into the brother's closet. They were terrified. The woman on the line told me that the police were on their way, but asked me if he was still there and if I could describe him. I told her that I couldn't. I had been too far away. And then she asked if he was still there. I told the kids to wait in the closet and that I would be right back. In retrospect, I realized she was probably just asking if I knew if he was still there and that she didn't intend for me to go looking, but I did. I was in a panic and not thinking straight. I turned all the lights off in the house and then crept to the sliding glass door. I turned the outside light on again, and that's when I saw him. A man standing in the middle of the family's backyard at the side of their pool, staring back at the house. I told the 911 operator where he was, and she told me to make sure the doors and windows were all locked. I ran around to every window and door, making sure they were locked like a madwoman. The operator was so nice trying to calm me down, but I was hysterical. I told her I was going in with the kids, and I must have asked a hundred times if the police were close. It felt like it took hours for them to get there. Once I locked everything, I ran back in with the kids. I had a knife wrapped in a towel with me because I didn't want to scare them when I brought it in. Finally, we saw the blue lights shining in on the house, and me and the kids ran out to meet the officer. I remember instantly feeling like, okay, I'm safe. 
and I yelled, explain the story to him. Well, I think I tried to explain the story to him. I think I just screamed that there was a man in the backyard. While the one officer was searching the property, the other was waiting with us in the safety of the car. I called the parents of the children to let them know what had happened. I found out later with the police report that what felt like hours on the phone with the operator had been 14 minutes. 14 minutes is still a long time. I mean, it is, but it depends on, like, the area. I mean, for all, like... She said it was isolated. Right, so if it was isolated, I mean, it's kind of normal, I feel like. But if he broke in, 14 minutes is a long time. Oh, yeah, 100%. The family was grateful that I had taken care of the kids the way that I did, but it still gives me the chills when I think about that night. He watched us for almost an hour and a half. What was he doing? What was he planning to do? And why that final time was he just kind of looking back at the house? That is really creepy, actually. You always... <laughs> it's actually funny because you always think, right, if, you, if it's at nighttime, you're looking at, like, a window or, or, like, a sliding glass door or, like, anything, really, and, and there's a reflection, but you can't see what's really outside. On the other side. That's so scary. Yeah. So it's, it's actually bizarre, you know? Like, you can't yeah. really see. So that actually gives me the creeps right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. That has always been like a big fear of mine because if you're a patron, you heard on the Patreon episode when I shared the one story about when I was babysitting and it's like a house that was all glass. It is scary because you can only see yourself. Yeah, no, it is. And you're like, what is on the out? You become, it's like a fit, like you become a fish tank. Yeah. How about the time you were at my house with the reflection? Yeah, that's scary. I don't know. Did we ever tell them that story? No, that was, that's on the Patreon uh, episode that we did. That's right. But Elise still goes on with her story. She said, she explained to the police officer what she saw. He was a short man with light hair. He looked like he was dressed in all black, but she couldn't tell because he was so far away. The property and all other houses on the street were searched and asked if they saw anything suspicious, but nothing was found. The house I was babysitting has acres of woods in the backyard beyond their property, and the police assume that this is where he went to hide. The man was never found, and I was never able to babysit again after that. It was too much for me. She said, I included the police report copy I was given. She did. She sent it as a file. So there was a police report. So this went down. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, She was asked to do follow-up interviews with the police. They were great, but they came to the conclusion that he was probably a peeping Tom. She said, I feel scared and creeped out again just telling this story. That's horrible. I mean, that's horrible. But and thank terrifying. You, thank you for sharing that. Uh, what, a, what a long story. And I'm, I'm glad you took the time to, you know, really let us know about this. It's crazy. Yeah. See, this is one of those ones where it's not like supernatural and it shows you how scary like the real world is. I think that's scarier sometimes. Yeah. Right. Because... I mean, because you think about like when you say the word like peeping Tom, it it sounds like innocuous. Like it's it's not it doesn't sound so scary. But when you think about what it is and how much of an invasion it is and the terror that it can cause to the people that are being watched, it's a really bad crime. It's also something that where... doesn't have a lot of laws like enforcing right. against it. Oh, no, absolutely. I think what's crazy about that is and what goes through my mind is if they're being the peeping Tom when they're, you know, they're looking at you and stuff. My my thought process is what is their thought process? What yeah. are they thinking? Ew. 
while they're looking at you, like it, like or you know, like stalking you or just whatever, that's what goes through my mind. What could they possibly be thinking, and what are they planning on doing if they decide to escalate further? That's what gets me like on edge. Yes, because you know, peeping toms. If their crimes do escalate, they do escalate to like break-ins and stuff like that. And you're just kind of, am I going to be the one? Yeah, that's no, the escalation. It's, yeah, it's true. Thank you so much for that story, Elise. That is terrifying. And now, unfortunately, in the new house, we have sliding glass doors. So I will be thinking about that every single time. Yep. So thank you. (laughs) All right. Our next story comes from Rachel Kay from Rhode Island. Rachel, your email was so sweet. Thank you for all your kind words. And I'm glad you think so highly of us. We are going to forward your email to all of our enemies that leave us one and two star reviews. We we appreciate it. (laughs) So here's Rachel's story. Around four years ago, when my son was five, he started talking to an imaginary friend. He called his friend Bobo. That could be the end of the story and it would terrify me. I agree. It's over now. I agree with you there. (laughs) I don't like that at all. I remember thinking this was the beginning of every horror movie. The idea of Bobo absolutely freaked my husband and I out. We hate it when our son would talk about him or talk to him in our presence. But nothing weird was happening, so eventually it became more of a normal thing, and it didn't bother us so much. That is until our 12- and 10-year-old daughters woke up one morning and told us that they were hearing a conversation on the other side of the wall, which is our son's room. They heard their brother talking to someone, and it sounded like he was talking to another boy. We told the girls that he was probably just talking to himself, but they insisted that there were two voices, and when they would laugh, they would laugh together. Okay, that's creepy. I just saw you, like, freak out. I just kind of, like, I'm a little startled. I got goosebumps now. (laughs) So this kind of stopped me in my tracks, but we had to play it cool. Later that day, I talked to my son, and I asked him if he was talking to himself last night. He told me no, he was up playing with Bobo. He told Bobo that he was supposed to be sleeping, but Bobo kept wanting to play with him. So he got up for a little while. Next, I did something horrifying. I asked my son what Bobo looked like. He'd never do that. Yeah, don't do that. Never do that. Don't do it. (laughs) He told me that he was just an older boy that always wanted to play because he was sad. That's not bad. I was expecting like hulking monster. I'm still freaked out about it. Don't like it. We were nervous about this situation and equally freaked the F out. (laughs) We panicked and took our son to a psychologist. (laughs) Of course, we heard the normal stuff. Kids have a strong imagination, blah, blah, blah. But our daughters heard Bobo too, and they don't lie. And because of that, we were scared. Well, we told our son that he has to stay in bed at night and to always be honest with us when it comes to Bobo. Our son's imaginary friend hung around for another year and a half. There were no other big incidents except for the fact that my son made me read bedtime stories to him and Bobo at night, which made me freak out because I was reading a book to a ghost child. (laughs) (laughs) We heard less and less from Bobo. My son now barely even remembers having him for a friend. He said he does recall a friend that wasn't allowed to leave our house. But the rest is kind of a blur, which is scary because is Bobo still in our house? Wow. 
I still have goosebumps. I don't like that. You know what? That's one of the <laughs> that's one of my fears that I have is that you know like you know you'll we'll have a kid one day or multiple kids one day. And well, once then, they're three. Well, once they're three, um, and then they're gonna start saying things like that, which is not gonna be something that I enjoy um, to deal with. No. Personally, I've had personal experiences myself. The last thing I want is to like hear it coming from my child. Yes, because they do say children are like more open to these things. And that could kind of be why she says like her son stopped seeing Bobo. And like they always say like you outgrow imaginary friends. But is it that you just become older and your mind's really not open to the paranormal like it was when you were a child? Yeah, it's it, I guess it's up for debate, right? I mean, yeah. I just don't I just don't know. I mean, like I know I feel like I know that like kids can make up things, but when you can start asking them questions about it and they can give you answers to things and describe things, that's when it becomes real. Yes. So, I don't I don't know. I I just don't like the whole thing, but that's a good story though. Yeah, that one is <laughs> So scary. And the whole idea of imaginary friends is always really freaky. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I don't like it at all. And if you are looking for I know that we've said this before. There is such a good scary movie about imaginary friends Z on Amazon. Well, it's really like on Shutter for Amazon. That movie was terrifying, and it was about an imaginary friend. And that's what this story reminded me of. Yeah, at first I, I, I was like, oh, okay, because... Kay loves B-list horror movies, yeah. and I'm kind of not a fan. This is not a B-list horror movie. But this is not a B-list horror movie. I was shocked, actually. It was really good. I love every horror movie. A, B, C, D. Give it to me all. I don't care if you spent $20 on your budget. I will watch your horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I told my students that I watch on Halloween, like, well, in October, I watch a scary movie every day. So my one class, my period six, they're so cute. They're always, what scary movie did you watch last night? And then I tell them about it. And then I always say at the end, like, I do not recommend you watch this movie. It is rated R. Don't do it. But I know there's always like a few kids that do. And I am opening their mind to the horror movies of the 70s and 80s that they don't even know existed. That's true. That's a good point. They probably don't remember things from the 90s even. No, no, not at all. Exactly. So, hey, enlightening uh, enlightening the minds of America. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Our next story comes from Annalisa D., who is an amazing listener. She's been with us for so long, and we're so lucky to have amazing people like her listening to us. So here's her story. It's actually a few stories, kind of in one. So I don't really tell people this story, but I decided to finally share it. I used to live in a house that I felt was extremely haunted. The first encounter I had was when I was downstairs in the master bedroom. It was 6 p.m. and slowly getting dark. My boyfriend had just left to go to the gym and we had his daughter's kitchen set up in our room. It was next to the door and you were able to turn on the stove. You just needed to flip a switch. So I was laying down watching TV and then I heard creaking noises coming towards the room. To get to our room, you can hear when people walk everywhere. I paused my show and went to the living room where it was dark and I called out my boyfriend's name. No response. Then I shrugged my shoulders and began watching TV again. Then I heard it again, so I yelled out, Babe, stop playing with me. Again, silence. That's when I decided to call him. 
And when he picked up in the background, I could hear that he was driving. So I knew right away that it wasn't him in the house. So I hung up the phone and as I did, the footsteps got closer. And the next thing I know, the stove turned on in the daughter's kitchen. At that moment, I was scared, but I decided to be calm and continue to watch my show. This was just the beginning. At times, I would wake up at 3 a.m. to noises, and I eventually learned that ignoring them is the best solution. I have felt that I've had a spirit following me for a long time, and I believed it more when I met a man in a parking lot. During this time, I had lost my cat, and it had been just a few days since his passing. I was really depressed, and I didn't show much emotion around people. But as I got into my car, I put on my seatbelt and I was ready to leave. A man who looked like a beggar decided to tap on my window. I rolled it down to hear what he had to say. Not all the way, though, because I watch enough true crime to know boundaries. But he begins to talk about my eyes, and he says, You're very unhappy. You smile, but deep down you're troubled. He then asked if I could speak with him on a bench, which was public and next to restaurants. I sat down and he told me so much about myself, stuff that no one could ever know. He also told me I had a shadow mass, which is basically a dark spirit. I began to tell him about the night that I had found my cat in a sleeping position. I said he looked peaceful and he told me that he died around 3 a.m., And I knew this must have been true because I found him at around 4 a.m. The doctors told me that he had just passed away. It was heartbreaking, but at this time I was open to all possibilities. To this day, the doctors couldn't predict what had killed my cat. And as I told him all of my experiences, he said it's possible that that is what may have taken him away. He gave me a stone to help me get rid of the shadow mass. And it did help for a while but eventually it came back. One night, I heard dishes banging. It woke me up, and it also woke up my boyfriend because it was so loud. We had a two-story home, and our roommate had just recently moved out. My boyfriend isn't the type to believe in this stuff, but after being with me, his mind is open to it. I told him not to pay attention to it. He didn't, and eventually things had gotten worse over time. One day I was having a petty small argument with him and he decided to walk out of the house. He closed the front door and I began to walk towards it to go after him. And that's when a man whispered in my ear, let him go. My face went completely pale and I instantly turned. There was no one around me. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) I... I don't even know what to say. That would... I, I, I don't even know what I would do, I don't think. I mean, I've had things happen, and I could relate, you know. Um, but I've never had that happen. But, yeah. And nor do I want to. To have something whisper in your ear, and it's like a full sentence like that, is pretty terrifying. And you can't see anything either. You just hear it. Yes. Which is even worse, because you don't know where it's coming from. But it's also an intelligent statement. Yeah, it's Because a, something had yeah. just happened, like... It responded to an event. It wasn't like just like some random sentence. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. But once again, I have this theory that when you are fighting with someone or you have, if there's bad energy that you're giving off based on what's going on, 
I feel like that amps up things. It like almost like is like a it's like you just put new batteries in something. It's like it. I agree with it that. Fully charges stuff. So, you know, I like I said, I can relate to this. So, yeah, no, I completely agree. Whenever there's something emotionally going on in a house, I feel like it exacerbates stuff. Yeah, I feel like it also like it leaves like an imprint. You know, like it, it just like on the house. Like, yeah, on on the house, or like it just like like another like a scar. Don't fight, guys. No, don't. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, but ghosts is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's a good reason to end your fight. So there was another encounter I had that he spoke to me again. I just couldn't figure out what he said. The worst time was when I was alone in the house. My boyfriend had just deployed and it was just me alone in a haunted house. COVID had just happened and I had been stuck in the house. I never thought of that. Like, think about like COVID's horrible for people in their haunted houses. Yeah, because you can't get out. No. I mean, you could, but... And then, like, think about it, like, you know, when COVID's happening, like, you know, you're now stuck inside with your whole family, so you are going to be bickering, fighting, and stuff. So, like, that probably does not lead to good situations. No, yeah, you know, good point, right? And then you can't I didn't even leave. think about that. I mean, COVID, obviously, and, and we're... I mean, this is kind of a joke about it, you know, but it did lead to a lot of problems, like, especially, like, domestic violence problems. People couldn't leave their homes, if they were in bad situations, I mean, obviously we're joking about like haunted houses, but like that was pretty serious of um, what people had to go through being stuck in homes with their abusers. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if I was stuck in my house that I lived in when I was a kid, I would probably sleep in a tent outside, yeah. no matter what temperature was outside. I can tell you that right now. Both of your houses. Both of my houses. The ones, Both of them. Yeah. The one in Queens and the one upstate. Correct. The one upstate was a whole nother level. Yeah. That's the one I would have stayed in the tent in. For yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. The one in Queens, you had family members die in your house. So like, well, it's yeah. a little bit more like, I don't want to say comforting, but you, you, they don't have ill intent towards right. you. I mean, you have to think the house was built in 19, like in the 1930s and has been in the family since the 1930s. Yeah. It's so never left the it, family's hands. No, never. So. Never. So, okay, let's get back to the story. Sorry. So the nights were strange and the cops had been called countless times. One night I was in my room, door closed, and I heard my floors creak, a popping noise. Mind you, I'm not trying to pay attention to it, but it's hard when you're the only one in the house. Our wood floors creaked when you would walk towards our room. Many nights were like that, but there was one specific room I felt was haunted. During the day, I decided to sleep upstairs, and this was when my boyfriend was home and he wasn't deployed. I fell asleep on the air mattress and had sleep paralysis within minutes. I felt like I couldn't move and could barely breathe. I tried calling my boyfriend's name really loud, but I could barely talk. I got the strength to push myself off the bed, but I felt so weak and paralyzed. I eventually made it out of the room. After this, I woke up and I felt so fatigued and dizzy and went downstairs. I told my boyfriend what happened, and he eventually said that the same thing had happened to him. So I decided to never go into that room again. But now going back to the time when my boyfriend was deployed, and she was hearing creaks in that, in the house during COVID, I did what I thought was best, and I kept trying to ignore the situation. The next thing you know, I could barely breathe. 
I decided to call my best friend and he encouraged me to call the handyman because he thought that it might be a case of carbon monoxide. I called and was told to leave the room immediately. And as I'm heading out, I had seen all of my wood popped up. Mind you, this wood would need to be taken out and able to pop off the way that it was. And that's also, so I just, I asked her for a little bit of clarification. That's what happens if there's presence of carbon monoxide, the wood popping like that. Oh, okay. As I waited for the handyman, I tried to catch my breath and he came to check the house. Eventually, he said there was no case of carbon monoxide and it was fine to go back in. And at this point, I felt like I was going crazy. So that's nuts. It's like you have every side effect of there being carbon monoxide in your home. Like you can't breathe. You woke up in a panic. The wood's popping and then there's nothing. That's strange. That's actually really weird. I don't know if I would have been able to go back inside. But you have to because it was COVID. There wasn't even like hotels. That's true. Well, like I said, tent. Tent. (laughs) What makes matters worse is a few more nights... I began to hear the footsteps and the window was moving around upstairs, like up and down, opening and shutting. I didn't have enough courage at the time and I decided to call the police. They checked the house and yet again, I sounded crazy. One day I found a blonde hair in my tub in my upstairs bathroom curtain wide open. I remember clearly closing it before leaving and I only had left for an hour. So I knew that someone was in my home. I called the police and told them about the attic and the haunted room. That room had a walk-in closet and the attic was the ceiling of it. The cops were scared to look as well. I had checked a few days prior because I believed someone was living in my attic. I can tell you that I've seen a light before and I asked my boyfriend if the attic had a window and he said no. So I definitely felt like something was very off. And the day of finding the blonde hair, the cops checked the attic and big dust had come down. And this hadn't been there before when I checked. Eventually, the cops believed that I was probably crazy and they left me their card. (laughs) To this day, I feel like someone was living in my attic and messing with me. I dealt with a few more months of this and it got to the point where I finally had to leave. Now I'm in a new place And that house is super haunted that I lived in. I noticed that there was a new family living there now. And I wanted to give them this cute target mat that I saw that says home sweet haunted home. I think if you did that, they'd probably get out of there too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they haven't already. I mean, I, I just felt I feel like that's crazy. Like there was a lot of like intelligent activity that was happening there. And it seemed like it builds up a lot. Yeah, and it almost makes you think that maybe there was somebody there, like actually in the attic. I don't even know what you would do, right? Because you you're trying to not really think about it. You're trying to just do you know go about your business, but then things keep happening. Yeah. So you kind of wonder, like, you know, what could have been happening there, and and you were never able to find anything, but yet yeah. something was going on. So, but it to me it seems like it might have been a little bit more of a supernatural thing. Only because of the voices and then everything that has happened with, like, the creaking and, like, the energy and, like, the windows and, you know. Yeah, definitely. If it was a person, that's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, yeah. There was a recent horror movie that I watched. I really forget the name of it. 
but it covered the like frogging phenomena that's happening or that did happen on YouTube. It was big. I think it was big a while ago, not anymore too much, but it was people that would go from home to home and like they would live in these like, you know, like those massively large houses where people have whole wings of their house that they don't even visit or they have bedrooms they never go in. Yeah. So they break into those homes and they live in the bedrooms that that are unused and they're quiet during the nighttime and then during the day while like the families at work are not home they live in the house like swim in their pool eat their food and then they go back to the room at night and they do this like in this house say for like a week and then they go to a different house and they so it's like frogging they call it like yeah, hopping from house to house. That's very bizarre. Plus, I would be afraid to get in trouble. <laughs> um, That's so scary. Well, first of all, I'll never break a law ever. Yeah. I'm terrified. I even return my shopping cart to like the shopping cart place. Like I won't even just leave it. <laughs> that's how scared I am of breaking the law. <laughs> but that's so scary. Oh, yeah. 100%. Someone's living in your house. So like it's kind of like the same situation. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. That's what remind it reminded me of. Like thinking that someone's living yeah. in your house. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, our next story um, comes from Matthew, and this also has to do with an attic, so I thought I would put it right after the other one. So Matthew is a new listener, and we're so happy that you've been able to binge all of our episodes, and he also just became a patron, so we really appreciate that, and we hope you are enjoying all of our bonus episodes. So here's Matthew's story. (laughs) He starts off, please don't judge my next sentence. When I was in college at Oregon State, I lived in a large fraternity house. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Matthew. It's okay. I won't reveal what frat it was because they've had their fair share of drama. Well, this was a really large house and including me, there were 15 guys living in the house. It was pretty large, so there was a lot of space for all of us. It was the first year I got to live there, so I was really surprised when I got the biggest room in the house. I was also only a sophomore, so still suffering from PTSD from my pledging time. Those are different kind of horror stories. I was nervous that they were pulling something on me. The room was amazing. It was at the center of the house with a large view of the street below with other fraternity and sorority houses or apartments. There was room for a king-size bed, dressers, and a studying area with a couch and a desk. That sounds like a mansion when it comes to college living. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Then there was a walk-in closet. I had seen the other rooms and they were really small. The largest bed that could fit in any of them was like a full-size mattress. And that was just if you wanted your whole room to be a bed. So I kept thinking to myself, why didn't the president want this room? I didn't want anyone to resent me for the room that I had. So I went to the president before I unpacked any of my stuff. I asked him if he wanted to take the large room on the second floor that was in the middle of the house. He was very evasive with me and kind of nice, which was really rare. He told me not to worry about it and that he liked the room in the back of the house better because it was quieter. I asked him if he was sure and if maybe one of the upperclassmen wanted it instead. And he told me, no, it's yours. Just enjoy it. But remember, it's an old house. So whatever about the noises. So already it's like, okay, there's something wrong with this room. I would have just taken that right there as, okay, they're giving me this room because nobody wants it because something's going on over here. Right. Right. (laughs) It's way too good to be true. 
I thought that that was strange, but I had done my due diligence and the massive room was mine. I was actually excited and looking forward to this school year where I wouldn't be pledging. I could actually enjoy the fact that I'm in a fraternity and finally focus on some schoolwork. I unpacked all of my things and the room still looked empty because there was so much room. I had only brought enough to fit in one of the smaller rooms. So I took a picture of the room and sent it to my parents, hoping they would come over with more stuff, hopefully more ramen and Gatorade to fill up the shelves I had now. What a college diet. (laughs) Well, I noticed the problem the first night. In the daytime, I had seen the opening for the attic is right above the bed. Why would you do that? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Could you imagine? I would would like shift the bed a different way if I had to. I am actually in this new house that we bought. The entrance to the attic is in the garage. I am so happy we don't have a pull down thing. Me too. No pull down. No pull down. No pull down. No. Even if we had like the option to like put one in, I would still say no. Yeah. I would just make stairs. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Just regular stairs. So in the daytime, he had seen that the opening was right above the bed. But obviously in the daytime, there's nothing ominous. So he said, I laid awake staring at the opening, thinking that something was going to come creeping out. I think I got a few hours sleep that night at most. The next morning, I chose to move the bed to another corner of the room. The whole layout looked dumb now, but I didn't want the bed under the attic entrance. That day, we had to prep the house and prepare for this massive party that we were going to be having to welcome everyone back. The day went on as normal, and then flash forward to me dragging my drunk self to bed at around 2 a.m. I went to sleep, but I was awoken by a noise. I sat up in bed and listened, thinking that it was maybe one of the guys. But then I heard it again. It was coming from the attic, a walking sound. Like someone was pacing back and forth in the attic. I thought it was the guys messing around with me. Pledging was over, so I wasn't going to let this happen again to me this year. I opened up the attic entrance by pulling down the string. It was your typical entrance with the ladder you had to pull down. I climbed up and opened up the flashlight on my cell phone. At this point, I was shaking. He went in the attic. Honestly, I give this guy... Big balls. Yeah, yeah. I give you the, as much credit in the world that I can that I can give. There's no way that I would even attempt to pull that string and turn my phone on and go up there. Nope, not happening. No, you know what would happen? I would have to do it. No, neither. Yes, of us I would. would. You wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And then I would check it in frustration. Yeah, probably. And then blame you. Or I we'd both go up together because I'm not going by myself. No, there's no way we're both fitting up that ladder. <laughs> So um, he shone the light around and there was nothing, literally nothing in the attic. I thought maybe that someone had left like a device or something that they could play sounds on. And that was what was the, the walking sound. So he went into the attic and searched everywhere. Nothing was there. He went into the attic. And looked around. Yeah. No way. Matthew, no. First, I think one of the like big huge red flag there's nothing there there's no storage for the house so what that means that nobody wants to go up there that's a good point didn't even think about that to think that 
you went up there to check. Like, he must have aggressively looked up there to see... Because he was looking for, like... Right, a device a of device, some sort yeah, or like something. Yeah, like a phone or something. Right. But, yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. So, and he said, I got out of there as quickly as possible and tried to go back to sleep. At least there was no one up there, and that gave me some peace. About a week later, I woke up in the middle of the night again by a sound. It sounded like there was a conversation going on, a heated one. But when I checked again, there was no one up there. A few nights after, I heard the same thing. The more nervous I got about it, the more it seemed to happen. Even in the daytime, I would hear noises coming out of the attic. Finally, I asked the woman who helps us around the house. She does grocery shopping for us, and she was honestly the true MVP of that frat house. She told me that none of the guys ever wanted to stay in that room because they think it's haunted, and no one wants to admit that they're scared. So they always just put the new people that come into the house in that room. She said that she was told that one year when the frat had first taken over the house that they tried to finish the attic and make it a kind of game room, but the boys had been scared off from using it. Haunted. They gave me the room because it was haunted. (laughs) It sounded ridiculous to even say out loud, but then again, I had heard the noises and I was scared out of my mind. Every night, it was something, walking, people talking, or dragging noises. I hated the walking the most because it seemed like whoever was walking up there was walking with the intention to get closer and closer to the attic entrance. And I thought eventually they would just kick it open. That's interesting. Like it's very aggressive. Yeah. But he said even the voices were like aggressive fighting. Like, yeah, that's interesting. Think about though, like, um, I did Matthew, I did some digging and I did find out what Fred house you live in. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so creepy. But there is a lot of drama surrounding this fraternity and they have gotten in trouble and fined a lot of times, especially they'd gotten a lot of fines for like underage drinking. And it is this totally old, massive house in northwestern United States. Like it is even it's pretty ominous looking. So now you're going to have a lot of and when I, when I say the word drama, like underage drinking, we know what goes on with frat houses. I'm not accusing this fraternity of anything nefarious, but you can't say there's not like a lot of energy, probably a lot of hearts being broken, crimes being committed. You don't know. You never know, right? I mean, Or just fighting. Like you can't say 15 dudes live by themselves and they don't fight and there's pledging going on he's obviously talking about some pretty heavy pledging if he's like i got ptsd from it and he's nervous about like taking this room from his brother like that nervousness was caused for a reason right not to mention of how old it is yeah and how many people have gone in and out of those doors and been pledged and hazed right so you never know so okay so back to the story Eventually, it all became too much, so I put a board up on the ceiling, closing the attic up. Of course, I asked permission, and they let me, not asking any questions. The board would keep the attic door shut if someone tried to open it. So I'm guessing it went, like, horizontally across the attic door. And it just made him feel better knowing that it was there. Now, side note, we all had keypads on our doors, And the locksmith alarm company comes out every August to set it for us while we move in. 
No one else knew the code to get into my room and it automatically locks when I shut it. It was set up this way on purpose because in the past there had been a president that was stealing from other members. So now the code isn't shared with anyone. Sounds like a great frat. Two days after I put the board up, I had a late class. Then afterwards, I went to the library and the computer lab because I had a paper to finish and print. When I finally got home, it was around midnight. I put in my code and walked in my room. The board was on the floor, broken in half. The nails ripped completely from the ceiling. Wow. So it's like someone like kicked it like from up top, maybe like kicked down and broke the board. Yeah. And pushed it out of the ceiling. Yeah. That's scary. So, oh. So he grabbed his clothes. He said, I grabbed some clothes and slept at a friend's dorm that night. Uh, yeah. Probably a good idea. Because it was obviously angry. Yeah. I told the frat I was not going to be staying there any longer. And they understood. I moved in temporarily with another friend who was dorming. And eventually we got an apartment together off campus. They were super annoying about the house payments. And eventually I just fell out with all of them and barely participated in anything that they did. It was a joke of a brotherhood, and I found better friends anyway. But I do feel horrible for whoever they chose to put in that room. That's really cool. I mean, that's a great story, actually. Thank you for that. That's a really good story. Okay, so now before we move on to the next story, John, I'm going to show you the house. Okay. I want to see it. This is live on air. Oh, wow. Well, let me go through the Google images. It gets scarier. Okay, I have to say, though, Matthew, pretty cool, though. I'm not going to lie. That's where he was. Oh, no. See that window? Oh, no. Yeah, no, no. Really cool, though. Not going to lie. Wow, that is a big estate, actually. That's a really nice... That's not it. That's pretty cool, but you know what, man? You you made the right call. I'm going to tell you right now. Look at that, and then look, the attic is right above. Yeah, no, I'm not with that. Oh, my God. I'm actually, I have to tell you, I think I'm like a scaredy cat when it comes to stuff like this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, 110%. But, but I really am, like, that is a scary house, but pretty cool, though. Yeah, and I am really proud of my investigative skills, figuring out which one it was. Matthew, this is what I deal with on a daily basis, so <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Okay, so are we ready for the final story? Yeah, let's do it. So this story comes from Nick. He is from the wonderful state of New Jersey. Okay, nice. And he is actually a very near and dear friend yes, to he us. Is. He works with John, and he is one of our truest listeners, and we love you so much, Nick. So we appreciate you sending us your creepy story, and I am now going to bother you for every single creepy story that you have. <laughs> <laughs> this is now only what our friendship consists of. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, ever since I can remember, my house has had strange occurrences that have been unexplainable. Every member of my household has been able to claim similar experiences or individual experiences like no other. Growing up in an Italian household, holidays are beyond exciting and eventful. We decorate the house, we cook, we party, and the list goes on and on. However, Christmas is usually the best one of them all. The house is lit up and decorated inside and out. At the time, I was a small child, maybe about four years old or so. At this time, my other two brothers were not born yet, so it was just me and my parents in the house. Like I stated previously, the inside of the house was decorated beyond belief. We had about 10 to 15 decorations underneath our Christmas tree. 
some electric, some not. There was one decoration in particular. When plugged in, it would sing songs and have moving animatronics. To be specific, it was Mr. and Mrs. Claus in a sleigh. One night, after my parents had tucked me in and fallen asleep, they were woken up in the middle of the night to a sound coming from the living room. Immediately, my dad jumped up, being the light sleeper that he was, and he woke up my mom. They couldn't make out what the noise was until they opened their bedroom door. Mind you, it's the middle of the night, maybe 2 to 3 a.m., and that's what they hear. A child singing or humming. That's so scary. Oh, my God. Would you have left the room? You know, you know, I, I think I would have opened the door, but that's probably about it until... I mean, if you came with me, then yeah, then I would go. Yeah. But if it was just me alone, just opening the door just to check, <laughs> hell no. It's not happening. That's kind of like when I was a child, I remember thinking in my head, like laying in bed, I always thought worst case scenarios, like forever. I thought, okay, if someone breaks into my house, my mom is going to save me. And I feel like that's what our kids are going to think too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just got to say, I got to add this before and we'll continue next story, but I have to add this. I used to do something that I thought was, well, I think now is the dumbest thing ever. But when it, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was great. I used to purposely close my eyes and walk around my house to know the layout with my eyes closed. So that way I can get from my, my room to the kitchen to get water or to the bathroom to go to the bathroom without opening up my eyes. We were meant for each other. Because I didn't <laughs> want to see anything. That was scary. That was scary. So I used to actually know exactly how many footsteps it would take to get to certain rooms in my house, being completely, like, pretty much blindfolded. I'm closing my eyes. Um, and I was able to do it every time. I don't know if we should have kids because they're going to have severe anxiety problems. Probably. <laughs> oh, no. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to Nick's story. So his parents are hearing this singing, humming noise. And they opened the door, and then they both froze with terror. Silent night, holy light, echoed throughout my living room and hallways. That is terrifying. And Nick, I like how you put that. That was nice. Yeah. Well, it's the title of the song, John. All right, babe. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So I... That's so scary, because you're like, oh my god, is someone even just playing ominous music, and there's someone in the house, and they're just playing to wake me up? Like, that's what I would be thinking. As scary as it is to hear a bump or noise in the middle of the night, imagine hearing children singing. Uh, That is probably the most terrifying sound to be woken up to. Yeah. Yeah. My dad laughed and said to my mom, I must have forgotten to unplug the damn thing. They chuckled and went into the living room where it was pitch black and the only thing lit up was the animatronic singing. Oh my God. You can't even (laughs) see if there's anything in the room. When my dad flipped on the light switch, the animatronic stopped playing music and shut off. Everything seemed normal until the moment that he went to unplug it. When he walked over to investigate, my dad noticed the tree and all of its electronics were completely unplugged. Oh my God. It wasn't plugged in. That's that's wild, right? Yeah. I. Nick, got goosebumps right he now. He really man. does have goosebumps right now. Got goosebumps right now. Yeah, I would not like that at all. Well, I mean, they say that, like, really one way for the paranormal to interact with the human world is through electronical devices. Yeah. So, that could have been it. 
Could have been it. You never know, right? My mom immediately started freaking out and woke me up to go into her bedroom and go back to bed with them. (laughs) My father took the unplugged device and he was bringing it out to the garage to put it outside. The animatronics turned on and started playing Silent Night again. Mind you, at this point, he's holding the unplugged animatronic and it just started playing again. That's crazy. He threw the thing out of the door and into the garage and threw it out the next day. That was by far the freakiest thing to ever happen to anyone in my house. Other paranormal experiences we've encountered have been full-bodied apparitions, smell of cologne or perfume from relatives who have passed on, doors opening and closing, even sometimes on demand, and after we got a dog who, mind you, does not bark at all, she's very calm and well-trained, she will bark at spots in my house that relatives who have passed on would always hang out in. And I could vouch for that because I love Faith. Faith is like the best dog ever. Oh, what a cute name for a dog. Yeah, just, she's just so cool. And he said, just want to say thank you guys for allowing me to share one of my paranormal stories. Nick, I'm going to ask you for all of them next time we see each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, will be a, that will be a good night for sure. Yes, that will be. Wow. Well, I'm glad we got these out on Halloween because... It has made this day 10 times scarier. It has. And you know what? I, I think this might be the best one yet. Yeah, these these were some pretty serious, scary some stories. Some heavy hitters here. And again, if you didn't hear your story, um, I am going to respond to everyone who submitted a story. We might just be using it for next year's scary stories. It's good to have a backlog, you know, because, oh, yeah. you know, you never know. Like, sometimes we might not get the submission, all the submissions that we w- would like to have. So it's always good to go back and, you know, fill that hole of whatever we don't get. Yes, so, we basically already have an episode for next year yeah, that pretty we're just going to add to. So it's nice to have that. Well, guys, I hope you enjoy your Halloween. I know it's going to look a little different than any other Halloweens that we've ever experienced because of COVID. And, you know, we're sad too because it's our first one in our new house. And, I wanted to hand out Halloween candy because in the apartments, no one ever came. That's true. Except for the neighbor's kids who would get our whole bowl. The whole bowl. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. So um, we hope you enjoy the day. I don't know what the weather's like in the rest of the country, but in the Northeast here, it's a, a nice but cold day. I hope everyone's doing well from the recent hurricane um, that came through. So enjoy your scary, spooky day. And uh, I, I just wanted to add, just keep everyone, just keep your head up. You know, you know, today might not be good, but there's always tomorrow. And, you know, just, you know, we're all in this together. So right when it comes to like the COVID stuff, because yeah. we're going through another wave of it. So, yeah, stay positive about that stuff, guys. Positivity. Watch some scary movies and that'll always make you feel better. And my favorite well, Halloween. Me. Yes. We started watching it this morning. John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes. Thanks, John. Just making sure. Okay. Just like kind of put it I don't in there. think there's any other like Halloween. Well, Rob Zombie. I'm a fan of the Rob Zombie. I like the Rob yeah. Zombie more than I like John Carpenter's. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I feel like he explains the Michael story a little bit better. True. And I love every Rob Zombie movie, except I was not a fan of Three from Hell. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, sorry to go on that weird, bizarre (laughs) tangent. Um, John got inspirational for a moment, and I feel like I needed to take it somewhere else. (laughs) I'm really not good at these things. But you know what? It is true, though. Everyone has to keep their head up and uh, have a good day. It's true. All right. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween, guys.